Hi everyone and welcome back to the Macro Compass. Before we start the piece, an important remark. Last year, many of you have urged me to consider starting a macro fund and the interest has only picked up ever since. I'm really honored about that. In case you have a potential interest in a potential macro fund, please send me an email at fund at themacrocompass.com. You also find the email address at the end of the article. Now into it. Monetary plumbing will be key to macro in 2024, and what we're witnessing today is a liquidity conundrum. The Fed has been running QT for a while, and yet there is still abundant liquidity in the financial system. Fed's bond holdings are actually down 1.3 trillion from their peak due to quantitative tightening, yet only half of this supposed tightening has actually impacted bank reserves, which are down a meager 0.7 trillion. You can see that in the first chart in the article. And as a reminder, bank reserves are actually what is most referred to as market liquidity. Now, this ongoing money mystery, where the Federal Reserve runs QT, but actually it only manages to bring down liquidity by a tiny bit, has caught many off guard. And it has helped fuel several bullish narratives. The most famous one being that the higher liquidity has supported stock markets in 2023. 2024 is shaping to be another year where monetary plumbing will matter a great deal for macro and markets. And to understand the mechanics behind this money mystery, let's start from QT. So here are five simple steps to understand how quantitative tightening actually works. As I speak and explain, please follow the first table that you find in the article. The step one and two in that table are very simple. The Fed, when running QT, does not reinvest maturing bonds from its QE portfolio, so it performs passive QT, and therefore it destroys reserves. That's step one and two that are shown in the table. And reserves being destroyed is also known as a liquidity drain. Step three, four, and five see the government needing to roll over its debt and its funding, but at this point the Fed is not participating by rolling over its bond holdings. At this point, it's banks. They need to step up and absorb more of the newly issued securities. Those are the step four and five. The resulting balance sheet changes are summarized in the bottom tables. The Fed has reduced, it, has reduced its balance sheet by, let's say, $100, which sees a one-to-one -one reduction in reserves, also known as liquidity, because banks must step up to absorb the bond issuance. This is how QT would normally work. The Fed reduces its balance sheet and its bond holdings by $100, and reserves will also draw down by $100. Yet, something different is happening this time. Back in 2021, the Federal Reserve had an issue. Rates were at 0%, but there was too much money in the system. Money market funds were bidding up T-bills so much that yields were testing negative interest rates. And so to stabilize money market rates, the Federal Reserve proposed a friendly alternative, the reverse repo facility. This encouraged money market funds to take all this excess money and to park it at this newly created facility at the Fed. And they did it in huge size. The reserve repo facility, the newly created way for money market funds to allocate their excess cash, reached $2.5 trillion. You can think of this a bit like pent-up liquidity stored in a corner of our financial system. 
Here is the thing. In 2023, and partially also in 2024, money market funds have unleashed this pent-up force. As you can see in the third chart in the article, the reserve repo facility usage has dropped materially, and this wave of supporting liquidity has basically been thrown at markets. This is also likely to continue partially in 2024. So how does this work exactly mechanically? As always, it's very easy as long as we check and follow our stylized balance sheets to find an answer. Please have a look at the second table of T accounts represented in the article. What happens is that money market funds drain down their huge reserve repo balances in orange in the chart and they buy T-bills in green. The government has to roll over its debt while the Fed is doing QT. We know that already, but this time the slack is picked up by money market funds buying T-bills and not by banks being forced to buy bonds. The result is that QT does not drain liquidity, but it's the reserve repo facility that instead takes the hit by being drained down by money market funds that actually drain down this facility and use the raised cash to buy T-bills and support the government rolling down its debt while the Fed is doing QT. Effectively, what we're looking at is a sterilized version of quantitative tightening. You can have a look as well at the summary of what's happening in uh, the following table in the article. So we are now looking at the liquidity sterilization pretty much where the Fed is running QT, but because the money market funds are draining the reserve rate facility, they're picking up the slack so that bank reserves, also known as liquidity, is not falling. So the Fed is actually reducing its balance sheet, but not draining the excess liquidity from the system. That's what I meant at the beginning of the article with a liquidity conundrum. So what happens next? Well, the reserve repo facility is down from $2 trillion plus to only $600 billion as we speak. So this sterilization mechanism can work for a bit longer in 2024, but it will ultimately come to an end and dwindling liquidity can cause a lot of trouble in the biggest monetary plumbing machine in the world, the repo market. Have a look at the last chart in the article. Now, claiming that the amount of reserves in the banking system somehow affects asset prices is outright wrong. As I've shown in the past, banks do not use reserves to buy stocks, and that's why the supposedly direct relationship between changes in liquidity and stock market returns does not exist. But banks do use reserves to engage in repo market activities with each other, and that matters. Because as banks become reserve constrained, they stop oiling the most important monetary plumbing machine in the world, the repo market. As the chart shows, the requested premium to lend money in repo markets against simply depositing at the Fed is already slowly increasing. Levels are not worrying yet, but there seems to be a trend in place. And you can see in the last chart in the article how the red circles show how uninged the repo markets became when a similar situation happened in 2019. So here are seven steps to the real monetary plumbing risks ahead that could occur in 2024. The Fed continues QT, but money market funds stop immunizing the negative effect on liquidity at some point. So this time it's bank reserves that take a serious hit, and banks' appetite to engage in repo markets declines over time. This happens while the US Treasuries continues to issue large amounts of bonds, which means large amounts of collateral. 
So the imbalance between this large amount of collateral to absorb and the available reserves, the available liquidity, grows over time. Repo rates at that point steadily increase, signaling more strains in the monetary plumbing arena and reflecting this growing imbalance between the amount of collateral and the amount of liquidity. At that point, as repo rates are raising, leveraged players relying instead on steady repo rates to fund their leveraged trades start to blow up. And that's when deleveraging and trouble occurs. In short, in this piece you learned what is the money trick which made quantitative tightening look like a walk in the park in 2023 and partially as well in 2024, but you also learned how that trick might as well disappear later this year. And the chain of events which could unfold after that is a very underestimated risk which almost nobody has on its radar. This was it, guys, for today's article on the Macro Compass. I hope you have enjoyed it, and I will talk soon again with you.